let's give Rumi a voice from the hidden music. Here someone, is, see, here someone is hidden who has taken hold of me and does not let me go. Someone is hidden, softer than the soul who led me to the garden of spirit and made me homeless. Here someone is hidden, a radiant face as delicate and fleeting as the ephemeral moment before sleep. Here someone is hidden, like sweetness and sugarcane, an invisible magician who has captured my soul. Hidden somewhere inside, my beloved and I have dissolved in each other. No beauty in the world can ever tempt me, for I see only the face of my beloved. Tired and in pain, I searched the world for help until I found in love the cure for my pain. Here someone hidden whispered, Pass beyond your tears, and you will see the broken-hearted lovers are the lords in heaven. Here someone hidden appeared holding love's wine, and to him I've given all my vows. Wow, we went a little bit longer in meditation today. That's nice. Well, always where to begin. There's always so much to share. And I think today I may be delving a little bit more into the esoteric. You know, Jim and I really do um, try to have as practical approach as we can on this pathway, but we also realize sometimes that that may sound a little boring at times. And I know all of us love the magical and the mystical part of all the phenomena upon this inner journey. We may even see a little bit in our physical lives, but really for the most part, it is really in that inner journey beyond the physical world. And so I'm going to go ahead and delve into that to some degree while hopefully maintaining also that practical focus. But I think it's valuable to understand some of the more mystical or esoteric, more of the inner teachings on the soul's journey, not only in this physical world, but in the other worlds by which the soul passes through on its journey home to God. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that today, and I'm going to actually move the flip, flip chart here. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> but I'm going to leave it because I think this kind of gives more, again, just the chart of the realm from spirit to the soul realm to the unconscious, the mental, the emotional, the imagination, the physical. And this other line over here that you, I have drawn of face in the soul realm, Sat Purush, the Lord of the soul, and then also a circle at the top of every realm, which is really that extension of God at the soul level of every realm. And even into the physical here, you can't tell now my stick figure there because it's a little bit messy, but my original diagram with the stick figure in the physical realm is really the living master in the physical body where that living word that is God is anchored 
into that spiritual teacher, where we call it the Word made flesh, the Word incarnate, the living Word, the mantle, the authority. All these terms have been given to the same thing, which is just simply that action of God's loving, really from the very heart of God down through the soul and in through every realm, even into the physical. In an initiation, that's what is extended to us on this physical level. Through the living teacher in the physical, that word of God is shared. That is the initiation. Not those physical words you get at the time of initiation, or the hue or on a hue, but that essence that truly is God's loving, that is anchored in those words when you receive them. That's the initiation, and that is the action, that is the pathway, which draws the soul home. And so these other lines I have coming out of the physical teacher here, and then here's another stick figure over here, um, is what I was trying to visually put up here of that extension of the living word in initiation as it is given to the disciple so that that soul is connected now to the living word, which we call also the power of the name of initiation, that now, as it comes through the teacher and is extended to the disciple, the initiate here, is now that which draws it back through and up this avenue back into the soul realm, into God. So this pathway of sound and light, this path of initiation, this way that is the living word, is the flow of grace, it is the sound current, the audible life stream, the Holy Spirit. It's describing the whole thing, the radiant form, the living master, the living teacher, the inner master, the guru. All these names is describing the same thing in its truth. So this pathway really is a way of being a way of loving. And that's what all the teachings are about, is this way, the way of loving, the way of peace, the way of awakening, the way of the true light of the soul and its journey home to God. And this way has many experiences in the soul's journey, even in this physical world and through every realm of creation, the soul realm, into the realm of spirit, into the very heart of God. And so this pathway is that avenue by which the soul journeys into its fullness of awakening and coming into the knowing of itself and the knowing of its oneness with the Creator, that which it has come from or has been created by. And the spiritual teacher is one who has simply walked away, has awoken into the heart of God, and from the heart of God they come as an extension of God, of that living way, to give the way for those souls that God is bringing home. Not the person, not the consciousness, but God directly. That is what is being shared anywhere this pathway is being shared by a true 
living teacher that is that word that God expresses through. So it is that way that is the journey of the soul. Not the person, not the consciousness. But in this world, of course, we relate person to person, teacher to disciple, one to another. And so that living way, that loving way, has its expressions through all the levels of creation so that it can bring the soul home, so that it can point the way, so that it can assist and do its work the way the work is done according to the laws, the principles of each level of creation. In truth, God has created everything. In this world, though, we often call it the light of reflection, the land of illusion. So in this world, it is not the direct light of God, but it is a reflected light. That's why we have the light in the dark, the light in the shadow, the reflected light in the shadow. We can't even really call the direct light in this realm of time and space because it's not. It's a reflected light in time and space. So we have the reflected light and then the shadows because the true light of God casts no shadows. It is direct and whole unto itself. And so this way, this living word, this river of loving that exists through all the realms is that direct light that exists in and through these realms of reflected light. Is this making sense? So the direct light of loving that this pathway is is not a reflection. It is the direct truth, the direct light. And it exists within the reflected light in the shadows. But in these worlds, it takes time to train ourselves to understand, to recognize that direct light and sound that this way is because we've been so conditioned and have trained ourselves to follow the reflected light in shadows. Just back and forth. That's the positive and negative, the light and the dark. But I'm trying to differentiate now between the light and the dark, but calling it the reflected light and the dark. That's the true positive and negative. Because the direct light of spirit, there is no polarity charge. That's the neutral way. The neutral light, the direct light of God is that neutrality that has no polarity to it. It is only the reflection that has the polarity. And so, when it is our time, in other words, those souls, that it is time for the return home in its awakening, to that direct light, those souls will begin to be stimulated, to be called, to be moved in such a way that they will begin to recognize 
that direct light or truth of God. And that's the perfection in it, is when it's time. How do we know when it's time? We don't necessarily. But there are indicators that we can tell within ourselves. Curiosity, devotion, enthusiasm, inspiration, joy, peace, longing, desire, wanting to know, something inside that just will not stop until it is answered or complete. These are all indicators inside of ourselves that we'll know when it's truly time for us to make that journey home. Because these things will not necessarily come alive within us if it is not time for our journey home. Because there is yet still more experience, or karma, if you want to call it that, for us to have in this realm of reflected light and shadows. It's a simple journey. That's why, at least I hope, in here, if we can really understand this, that truly there's nothing to fear. You don't have to worry if you're going to hell or heaven. You don't have to worry how much longer you're going to be here. Or maybe for some of us I know who want to stay here longer that are even aware of this pathway, are scared to do the pathway because they don't want to leave yet, but yet they do, but they don't. There's no need to worry because truly, we're not in control of it anyway. The soul is. The greater truth of who we are is. And that which is the world, called the ego, which is made up of what? The mind, the emotions, the imagination, the body, that whole ego structure, is always going to be in conflict and fighting with our soul's return because the soul is what gives it life. And without that soul here, the ego dies. And so the ego is going to struggle to hang on to life itself, which is who we are, the soul. So it's going to do what it can to hang on to us, to create the tension, the struggle, the fight or flight. Because that's the way it hooks in and keeps us attached to keep giving it life. And there's nothing wrong with that. We just get sick and tired of it. But that's also a good indicator to let you know well, the soul's true desire to return home is when it has had enough of the battle and is ready to let it go and allow that action of return to fulfill it. But there is a participation. But that participation is so simple. It's just loving. It is just simply loving. The most direct way we can participate in loving is to stop looking into the world of the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body. And so we shut our eyes and we go inside. And then we begin to do that action of meditation, of sharing our loving with God, of chanting those sacred names, holding 
A name given initiation, sacred within, because that sacredness is that beingness of loving itself. And as we hold that sacred and hold our attention on that, then loving itself fulfills the journey that loving itself releases us from the attachments, the fears, the bondage that does keep us entrapped in this physical material world. It brings light. It sheds light on the illusion. It lets us see the illusion, the land of reflection, of light and shadows for what it is. The games of the world, the trickery, the smoke and mirrors. That direct light will shed the truth on this reflection of illusion. That's part of the awakening. But what do we often do when we begin to wake up to that direct light and the light sheds or shines upon the illusion and we see the illusion and we see how we've been living the illusion? What do we often do? Judge ourselves, right? Make ourselves wrong. God, I've been doing this. I really screwed up. It's going to say a different word, but, you know, different degrees of how harsh or gentle we judge ourselves or make ourselves wrong. We feel guilty or shameful. So what? That's part of the ego structure, once again, trying to punish us because that's how it keeps hold. So part of this journey is giving up the guilt, giving up the shame. It's not going to do you any good. Feeling guilty or shameful or judging yourself doesn't get you any closer to God. All it does is create more agony and suffering. It doesn't hold you back from God either. If you're doing the meditation, you're going to be ever drawing nearer to God. And guilt and shame and the judging and the fear is this something that's going to keep on running until we actively participate in letting it go and loving it and accepting it and forgiving it. To laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. If you find yourself judging, blaming, complaining the world or other people, the circumstances or situation in your life, there's your indicator right there. The ego's running, and you're buying into it. But don't judge it then when you become aware that that's what's going on. But we often will, because what are we going to do? To make ourselves right, we make everything else wrong. That's still the game of the world. You're hooked. If you're blaming, complaining, judging, whatever, outside of yourself or in yourself. So I started within yourself. Now I'm talking about outside yourself. If you're doing that, inner or outer, that's the ego running. And you're simply hooked in. But I always suggest starting wherever we find ourselves. If you're starting out here blaming and judging, start by loving, accepting, forgiving the outer source from which you're experiencing your inner reaction. Notice I said your inner reaction even though you're calling it out there, start out there. And then when that's done, I've forgiven them. And if you really have, you'll know, sense of freedom. But now you've got to turn that inward and begin to love and accept and forgive yourself, that part of you 
that has participated in the outer game, in the outer dynamic, in the outer judgment and fear, complaining and blaming. You've got to forgive and love that part of you inside that is doing that or has done it. I know people who have stopped doing that, but yet they haven't done the inner work to now heal it within themselves. They're wonderful, loving people out here, but yet they still carry this heavy burden within because they have not done the inner work now of freeing themselves from that part that is so harsh. So that's really the main key. If you know how to do this and you can do the inner work and heal, love, accept, forgive, the part inside that does all the reaction and the blaming and complaining, you won't even need to do it out here because it's, that's the source from which created the outer process. So if you just go right to the source and heal that, the outer automatically will be healed and completed because this is where it started, is inside ourselves. So just bring it home. It's all ownership. Own your reaction. Jim uses the word responsibility. Be responsible for your thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. I'll often use the word ownership in action. So take ownership for your thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. And automatically as you do that, it pulls the energy that you've placed into the world back to its yourself, which is the creator. You are the creator of all these thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. And the creation always, always, 100% of the time, returns to the creator from which it's come. Just as the soul has come out of God and the soul shall return to God, we, the soul that are the creator, it is the same principle. That which we create and put out is also going to return. Good or bad, it comes back. So the good stuff we put out, the good will return. The bad stuff we put out, the bad returns. It's called good karma, bad karma. That's the journey of the soul and its process of experiencing, of learning how to be a co-creator such as God is, a co-creator with God. It learns to be a creator just as God is the creator, that we also are creators made in the likeness of God. So that which we create comes back to the source from which it was created because that is how it is fulfilled in the lessons are learned and completed. But the way to fulfill, to learn, to complete is by loving all of our own creation, good or bad, because it is through the loving that it is returned back to its source. Just as God loves all of us, as soon as we love God, guess what? we are returned back to the source from which we've come. So it is above and so it is below. So think about that. This journey we speak of, of our soul returning to God. There's two levels of that fulfillment. 
our soul's journey back home to God and our soul's journey now of completing or reclaiming or owning or being responsible for that which we've created into the world through the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and body. So bring it home. Even if it hurts, that's the scary part. That's why there's so few people willing to do this pathway because of the inner work involved, because of the fear, the pain, the judgment, all the things we've created. It's not the good stuff. We all want that. I don't know many people who want the negative creations. But until we accept even the negative, we hold ourselves in separation from ourselves and our fulfillment, and those are the things that stand between us and God in all directions, horizontally, vertically. On this journey home to God, as we rise through the realms, there's also now the reclaiming of all that we've created through all the realms. We've got all these physical karmas while we're here in this body. We've got all the astral karmas, the causal karmas, the mental karmas, the etheric karmas, until we're complete and now home. On this journey, there's a lot of grace. Because when we receive the initiation, we open the door for God's grace to live in us and through us fully, that we can complete just a little bit of karma on each of those realms for the soul's return. And there's still all this other karma out there that we've created that through that action of grace of initiation that those karmas are completed through God's grace that is extended. So as we return home, that is cleaned, wiped clean, except for just a little bit on each realm that we are going to be held responsible for. So all we have to do is take responsibility to it by loving and accepting and forgiving it all. You see, we have already done our creation. And it is not until we have fulfilled that that we will even be drawn towards this pathway to now complete the creation and return home. So this journey of initiation, this pathway home to God, is about completion. It's not creating more, but now beginning to complete that which we've created. That's why I'm talking about bringing your creations back home, back to the source, back to you. We do that, again, simply through loving. And acceptance and forgiveness are simply two extensions of loving itself, but it's just loving. Those are the tools. LAF, laugh. That's all we have to do to complete the creation. A lot of those things have a life of their own. But through loving now and accepting it all and forgiving it all, it can now return back to the Creator, the source from which it's come, called you, and it's fulfilled. The, complete, the creation is complete through that action of loving. But as I was saying a moment ago, the hard part of the challenge often is as those creations come back to us that we begin to take responsibility for now and to own can often be challenging 
because of the lessons involved, because of the fears it may stir, because of the judgments, the things we want or don't want. So when we feel or see or hear the disturbance of that which we've created, we don't want anything to do with it. We'll put up walls or boundaries of defense and protection to hold it away. Because we don't want to experience that. We don't want to go through that. It's so funny, though, how it works. When it's outside of ourselves and we look at it, hear it, feel it, it seems so rough and hard to deal with. But as soon as we drop the reaction and the defenses and the protections, all of a sudden we move into loving, it just comes right on back, in and up, and it's lifted and done. It can happen that quick. And all of a sudden we go, it's like a wind. It just passes through and it's done. And we go, oh my God, if I had known it was going to be that easy, I would have done it long ago and would not have created all this resistance and separation within myself because that was a struggle and hard part. If I could have just let go right away, it would have been done that quick. Oh my God. And that's often the case of how this unfolds. But that struggle and resistance we go through in this process is what we could call the karma or the lessons. Because in all that, we're learning, we're growing, we're coming into a greater understanding of not only that which we have created, but maybe how we've created it so that we can learn how to become the co-creator. We already are a co-creator, but now we're learning from that which we've created. And as it comes home, the learning is fulfilled. So we truly see that action of creation, of creativity. So to wake up fully, to learn the lesson, to complete the karma, to get free, we have to allow that which we've created our karma is to come back home. But where's home? Well, in this world, home is nothing. That which we've created through the mind, emotions, imagination, body, guess where it goes? It doesn't go back into spirit because it didn't come out of spirit. It came out of the nothingness of which the void is, the etheric. It's a reflection. There's nothing. So it is, is, is lifted up in spirit and it comes into that etheric level. It disappears back into the nothingness from which it's come. And then the soul is free so that it can now return to its source, which is spirit, beyond all the nothingness in this land of reflection. That's why a lot of these creations and karmas, as they come back and we experience the freedom, it's why it disappears. It was never real to begin with, just a reflection. So it doesn't go home to God. It goes back into the nothingness. And the more we let go into the nothingness, the freer we are so that we, the soul, can return now back to the source of life itself. So this action of creation 
It's funny because even in the word creation, there's actually the word reaction as well as action. If you just add a C in there. So creation, action and reaction. Positive, negative. Be aware of that. We can see ourselves truly as creator, good or bad. It's the same process to fulfill our journey. It's the same process. You can't get away from it. That which goes around comes around. Cause and effect. The law of karma. If you can just recognize the truth of that and allow yourself to let it be and not resist or struggle that process, then as it comes home, it'll be that much easier and quicker in moving into our spiritual freedom. So allow it to unfold. And to make it easy on yourself when you're going through the stress, the struggle of it, because you will, because as those creations come home, you're going to experience them one way or another. Don't avoid, but rather accept. And in the acceptance is the vulnerability that allows the open door for spirit to participate and to fulfill and free it all. So be aware of that. Now, the other week, Jim mentioned, or somebody mentioned, about 100% vulnerabilities, 100% protection. That's true. But the way it works is by 100% vulnerability allows 100% participation of the Holy Spirit to release that which we would want to protect ourselves from. So that's really the protection is that action of the Holy Spirit that releases and dissolves all the karmas. So in truth, there's really nothing to protect. There's no protection. It's all action of loving. That's the protection. It's not truly protection, though. It's just loving that dissolves everything and anything that is the illusion that would cause harm. But this is spiritual. Yeah, because the physical body is going to die sooner or later. Will this action help me in the physical world? Will it protect me from dying? What it does is help you from thinking that dying is what really takes place. That you wake up and realize the truth that the soul of who you are never dies. That's how the protection really looks. Because when you really wake up as a soul and know the truth, that you never die, but the body does, because it will return back to that which it's come from. But as you recognize that you don't die, you won't mind so much when the body's gone, because then you really get to live the greater freedom and liberation. And no longer are you attached or caught up in that body, which is simply a reflection the reflection of the light. But the truth, you live the truth of the direct light of spirit. You come to know that and live that. And then there's nothing to protect yourself from. 
then you totally surrender. And in the surrender, you are saved. You've saved yourself by you surrendering and allowing the greater truth to now unfold so you can experience the liberation. So be aware of that process. It's a wonderful action, but it takes time to discover how it unfolds, not just by hearing it like we share here, but then taking those words inside, contemplating, looking at, and then doing the inner work so that you truly experience. And then the day will come when you have the experience and you'll know the truth of the words that you've heard. So let it unfold. Allow yourself to experience and find out for yourself and how this works. <laughs>